ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cinema Hangover, where three completely unqualified individuals drink and talk about movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Oliver. What up? And Shannon. Hello. So, Oliver, what are we drinking today? Well, today we got some fancy sauce in a Pinot Noir. <laughs> fancy sauce. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's Red the first wine. time I've ever heard wine be called fancy sauce. My I ball came back. up with that on the spot. Red <laughs> wine, a Miomi Pinot Noir. Ooh. A fancy wine, not, not really... But a fancy wine for a pretty not fancy, disturbing movie. Wait, wait. I got a question, though. Is it at least above 20 bucks? I, I don't know. I have no idea it was a gift. I have no idea. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> All right, well, on that note. I feel like any red wine is fancy, but. True. And Shannon, what is the movie we're going to be talking about today? Today we are talking about the film Men, directed by Alex Garland. And basically it is a movie about this girl named Harper. She's played by Jessie Buckley. And she basically goes off to the countryside in England to kind of heal herself from a tragedy that happened. And during this healing process, some weirdness happens. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way that I can that's put it. Without, yeah. way to put it. Without spoiling Spoilers, it, yeah. some weirdness happens. And one thing to notice that this is another A24 film, which yeah. as we discuss more and more movies... It's one of the, I would say, film production studios, whatever the heck, that's something that we all appreciate quite a bit because we've seen a few of their films previously. and I've seen like almost, almost all, all of them. Me right. and Oliver are A24 stands. Oh. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this is just another of their latest productions and honestly, just as an early indication, that's an f- interesting film, I will so, say. Yeah, so... so Knowing that it's A24, if you know anything about A24 movies, you probably will know that it's going to be a little bit different mm-hmm. than a normal movie. And then if you also know the director, Alex Garland, he made Ex Machina and Annihilation. Oh, shit. I didn't know. Oh, fuck. So knowing that, you also should oh. expect that it's going to be even more different. Which reminds me, I need which to watch kind of is, Yeah, <laughs> kind of segues into the movie, and it is, it's a lot. It, it, There's a it, lot of like oh, yeah. symbolism, metaphors, subtext, imagery. all that there shit. It's lot. so much. Like and, a lot of things need to be dissected. Yeah, yeah. and I, I want to give a synopsis, but I almost feel like it's kind of with all movies that if you are interested in it, you kind of should just go check it out because part mm. of the big points of the movie are the reveals, and yes. they happen almost immediately. Right, yeah. right. Almost yeah. immediately, does shit start to kind of go off, and it gets real weird. So, with that being said, let's. Uh, actually take this opportunity to note if you want to check out the film without getting spoiled on anything that happens go ahead and check it out real quick pause this shit grab yourself beer do something like that and then pop back in you'll be able to hear our discussion about the film and which is actually about to start right now so the spoiler portion of this discussion is happening in a three two one so just to provide a much more expanded synopsis of the film so harper at the very beginning of the film, this is alluded to, but it's revealed further through flashbacks and her recalling the event. She is trying to divorce her husband, and the husband is just not having it, so he threatens to kill himself. And after a argument and him punching her, she's like, fuck this dude, and basically pushes him out. And she reveals later on in the film that... Uh... Well, she pushes him out of the flat. Yeah, yeah, push him out of the flat. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. In the context not of what's about to happen, <laughs> she kills him. Well, right, exactly. Of what's Surprise, about everybody. To happen, that needs to be clarified. Right. <laughs> thank point. you, thank you. Good point, good point. <laughs> but, so she basically pushes him out of her apartment and says, fuck this dude. So it's later revealed that 
she finds out that he went upstairs to try to climb down. So she basically, he forces his way to the upstairs neighbor's flat that's a, right above hers and tries to climb down to re-enter the apartment. And it's unclear whether or not he slipped or he said fuck it and actually let go, but he falls to his death. And she actually sees his dead body at the bottom of the... She actually, she sees, actually him sees him falling. falling. Yeah. And she, sees him falling, she, yeah. They actually make eye contact as he falls. And that's mm-hmm. the one aspect of this incident that keeps replaying in her mind, is seeing and, him fall mm-hmm. and making and eye it, contact. I think before we continue on the synopsis, it is important to note that that scene is not in chronological order. Exactly. It is all via flashbacks peppered in throughout the film. Exactly, exactly. So it's not really revealed what happened there until the very end of the movie fully, Mm -hmm. but it is important to know that that is technically chronologically the beginning of the movie. Right. Right. So at this point, after the traumatic event, she decides to spend some time out in the countryside in order to heal and recover. So she rents basically an Airbnb in the countryside and is introduced to the owner, Jeffrey. And he's a typical countryman who's, you know, a bit awkward, but he's just there. And this begins the introduction of some of the more peculiar elements that happens in the film. But to kind of provide the synopsis even further, as she takes her time in order to relax and explore the actual countryside itself, she's walking in the woods and encounters a strange naked man. And this is what leads her to say, okay, this is kind of weird. This is unusual. And this is where the unusual elements of the film starts happening. Yeah, it starts to really kick it off. Yeah, kind of the naked point. man starts stalking her, and this is when she starts recognizing weird things with the other men in the village, and it keeps moving on with the weird events that occur all the way till she the end where the it police, gets... Yeah. And, and, and the events continue to escalate to the point where um, he's seeing men flashing in and out of existence almost in right. her yard... Uh, she eventually goes to meet a priest. Mm. Uh, when she meets this priest, it's a very awkward encounter, which we can talk on a little bit more. I think we should talk on all the men a little mm-hmm. bit more uh, later on. But essentially, she isn't getting any sort of salvation from the priest or anybody. And so she goes back to the house. Things escalate. They All, all these men that she has met in the village start to try and break in. Yep. And then shit gets super fucking weird at the end. Yeah. And I think we'll save that kind of for the end of the podcast because it for needs sure. to be broken apart and dissected. Yeah. But right. it gets weird. Fucking and I'm weird. hoping that anyone listening at this point has already watched it so they know what we're talking about. Right. So at this point... Definitely watch it. <laughs> right. So at this point, if you're listening in and haven't seen the film, then hopefully that quick synopsis gives you a sense of what's going on. But if you have seen the film, it's going to be a lot easier to follow our discussion because right now we're going to basically dive into it. Now, one thing I do want to note is that during the course of the film, Harper is talking to her friend, I believe her name was Riley or something, Mm -hmm. and explaining to her what's going on during the course of the film. And that actually leads to, when we talk about the ending, another aspect that I want to discuss with you guys because I'm curious to see what you guys think about the reveal even with her friend. So there's a lot of like reveals that are introduced. But... First, we need to talk about the men themselves because that is a whole series of things. But I was just going to say, um, when she walks into the woods in the tunnel scene. Yes. Oh, dude. Such a cool scene. Oh, and I don't even There's know so what it is cool about scenes. it that I just So essentially she goes, so I know we've given the synopsis, but yeah. she goes through the tunnel and she 
kind of starts to like echo into the tunnel. Yeah. And, and it and actually what's really cool is from that scene on, her echoes become part of the score of and the yeah. so, so she sits there for a couple minutes right. and is making noises and kind of making like a song or mm-hmm. whatever in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful sounding. It's like yeah. such a cool scene. And then at the very end of that scene, a man at the end of the tunnel emerges and starts running towards her. And there's a screech that comes out of that man. Oh, dude. And that screech is also brought up later on in the film. Like right, you just right. hear so that this, throughout the film. Yeah, and I and oh man, there's so much to get into. But but, but this so cool this, sounding. this movie right. this movie is it's it's labeled a horror movie. I have a hmm. hard time kind of calling it a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. But yeah. but yeah. I will say that there are some really really good scenes mm-hmm. of tension and horror that yeah. are that are not your stereotypical jump scares, not your stereotypical scary Which I'm so face. So appreciative of like fucking hell. The tunnel scene is genuinely unnerving. It's it's and essentially all it is mm. is she is at one end of this very very long tunnel, and so at the very very end, there's a little bit of light, and you see the silhouette of somebody step into the light, basically, and then you hear this shriek kind of like echo through the tunnel towards her and then you see him start like to run towards her and it's genuinely freaky like now, it's a freaky scene i think you just actually noted a particular point that might have been done purposely for this film mm-hmm. with the fact that you mentioned it's unnerving that is something that is consistent throughout the film this unnerving tenacious unease that's continuous with her interactions with the various men in the village i think that might have been a purposeful element because it's a representation it, it of is, that it experience is, it is, the movie has a lot to say about, you know, I, I think maybe we have different opinions about the, the overarching thematic element, thematic yeah. element. but what we can probably all agree on is that it is trying to put you, the viewer, in the shoes of the, the female perspective. Like, right. It's right. not even just Harper's perspective, but just a female's perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. And it does it, the way that it does it is pretty smart in... in yeah. The, the way that shots are composed, the sound design, <clears throat> the score, mm-hmm. it's, it's really smart in making you, whether you're a man, woman, whatever, you start to feel unnerved. Yeah, yeah, it's taking the horror techniques and transposing them on the men themselves as being the monster. And it works effectively because in the thematic elements of the film, at least from my interpretation... This is how a woman in this particular circumstance of her dealing with a traumatic experience and having to re-encounter and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, interact with men, this is just the subliminal fears and anxiety she has to deal with, is that this is what's happening in the subconscious level, is that the men are a threat in their own ways. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that scene... That man is the first man that kind of gets things rolling. Like, yes, as he's, far as and, like it starts to get weird, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. I kind of want to touch on this scene a little bit more. Although this is after she meets Jeffrey, who I also want to talk about. Yes. This scene, though, a couple key moments that I picked up on happen. So mm-hmm. right after this man in the tunnel starts to run at her, uh, she runs away, steps out into a field, and then sees the the naked man that I think you right. touched about right. Taylor, and. You are led to, I think the first time you watch it, you're led to believe that the man that's chasing her is the naked man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's not. He's not, 
in the tunnel, the man is wearing a cloak, and it's very, very prevalent. Oh, really? Wait, yes. really? I, wa- I saw it the second time. I didn't notice it the first time. He's wearing a jacket. What? Yep. Th- then which Anybody man listening, was- go watch. So the, then that who is, was it? The point is, is that, again, the reveal at the end, they're all the same right, person. Right, but... That still begs the question. The only ones that are wearing jacket is maybe the vicar and like someone else. But it does the whole. I think the point is, is the reason he's wearing a long. It 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 kind of looked like the the vicar. Right. Right. But I think the point is right. Exactly. Yeah. And and there's another part too. But the the point of that of the person in the tunnel wearing a long jacket, I think, is just so that you can notice that he's wearing a jacket. Right. Because if it was a a tight shirt, you probably wouldn't. Right. I mean, I guess that he's wearing a long flowing jacket, and I think the point is, is that a eagle-eyed viewer will notice that the, the naked man is not that same man. Yeah. Right, to create that dissociation, yeah. And while she is running away, there's an element that is introduced for the second time that I want to talk about, which is there's a close-up shot of a dandelion seed. And it's the mm-hmm. only time, it's the first time in the movie, besides literally the first scene of the movie, that you see a dandelion seed. Mm-hmm. And clearly, seeds, all the, in this oh, movie, dandelions are... Yeah. That makes more sense now. Yep. Shit. Yeah. Yes. So I just want to know something real quick. I was trying to understand the whole metaphor with the whole like dandelion things. Like there was couple, maybe some ideas, but it wasn't concrete. As soon as you mentioned seeds, I'm like, oh yeah, duh, like that makes fucking seed. sense. That makes perfect yeah. fucking sense. Jesus. But <laughs> what I was gonna say about the whole tunnel scene before mm-hmm. she starts to run off. Yeah. That is the when she is sitting there making the noises. That yeah. is the only time that you see her happy. Besides Literally, maybe when she's on the phone with her friend. Really the only time you see her happy is in, in that isolation, yeah. moment of by herself, just in nature, making the yeah. noises, and then it's immediately taken away from her and then this goes downhill from there. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that point because that is another aspect that's introduced throughout the film. And her friend Riley even expressly says this in the movie where, so later on in the film, there's a point where Harper is talking to her friend Wiley about what's happening in, in the film, including her encounter with the strange man in the woods, and this is a bit late on. Wiley responds with, like, hearing all this, she's, she basically tells her, you literally came out here just to heal, and all this shit's happening to you. And it's basically, I interpreted that as, this is an example of most likely what I, I bet women feel when they go through traumatic experiences and they continue to encounter the unfortunate favorable behaviors of men that further just repress and dampen the experience of being able right. to heal. So yeah. it's like, fuck, can I get a break? Can I get a chance to breathe? Exactly, and yeah. that experience and also Wiley's comment is just a extension of that. Yeah. What I, are you guys thoughts on that? I, I agree. I, I kind of want to save more of my overall thematic, uh, conclusions until mm-hmm. we kind of touch more on the end. Okay. Just because, it's going to be hard for me to explain everything Fair. I think because again so if you if you've watched this if you've watched this movie then you know that the ending kind of is the air, it's weird. air quote well <laughs> it, it, is, it is kind of the air quotes explanation right, right or at right. least yeah. at the very least there is not really any clear explanation but that Close is you're going to get that's yeah. probably as much as you're going to get okay so with that but before yeah. but before I kind of I get into any of that, I do okay. want to talk about the first man that she encounters, right. which is Jeffrey. Jeffrey, uh, and he's played by Rory, <laughs> I don't know if we already said it. He's played by Rory Kinnear, mm-hmm. yeah. and Rory Kinnear plays every man in this movie besides her, her husband, husband. Oh. and mm. he kills it. 
he he's insanely good. And Jeffrey is the the like I think he said the Airbnb host that she she stays at mm-hmm. his house. And he is also kind of the nicest guy, air quotes. He's, he's like weird, and but I he's can't strange. Like, put my finger on what it is, and exactly. I think, and that right there, I think that's the entire purpose of his yeah. character is that I, he is so nice, it's unnerving. Yeah. Well, oh, and his laugh. Can we talk about his laugh? No, it's it's. I think what it so comes creepy. from is, and it's pretty brilliant. But I, for me at least, my interpretation was that he is a man that he's trying really hard to be a nice guy and mm. be chivalrous, mm. but he comes across as pretty condescending. Mm-hmm. He comes across as kind of. He views himself, or maybe even men, as greater than or better than women. Which, yeah, I just want to point this out, because for whatever reason it feels like it needs to be pointed out. I could understand in the context of the film that that is like literally what Harper may be ex- experiencing, and maybe even in her own circumstance, and or circumstance of the audience. They recognize that, okay... What he's trying to do is be accommodating all that stuff, but it's coming off really weird. Mm-hmm. And he might be trying to do good, but it's not working. And I think that's the idea. That even if the individual themselves, in the individual's case, the dude, if he is in his own mind thinking that he's operating the way that is okay, it's he's doing little things that are actually overstepping by minor circumstances. I think a big that the movie is trying to make is that it's and Jeffrey's character accentuates it the most right. is that it's not enough to think that you're doing the right thing. It is important to put yourself in the perspective of the person that you are you interacting have to understand. with. Right. And I you think have, that that is yeah. the big thing is because from the outsider looking in he is being nice and courteous and mm-hmm. he's trying to do all the right things but that is not what she is asking for or what she needs. Right. Mm-hmm. So that actually reminds me of one of the things that you just mentioned is that you have to be careful of recognizing the consequences of one's actions and how it's going to impact others. Because it's not enough to think, oh, hey, I think this is the right way to do things because this is how I was raised, or whatever the case may be, which is very tricky in its own meagre of loveliness. But that is one of the other things that this film is trying to illustrate is that the perspective that women have when it comes down to the way men behave and react to certain situations that they're encountering, especially with threats and how just men behave, that's a element that is illustrated quite a bit. And Jeffrey's behavior in this is kind of a highlight as a result. Yeah, and he does nothing, again, like nothing he does is nothing egregious, outwardly but... bad. He doesn't do anything. In fact, he tries really hard to be nice. Like he goes and offers to get her stuff out of the, the <laughs> car and stuff, which he didn't need to do. And, and well, and I think what Shannon's making a face, and I think what she's going to say is that that's actually not super nice, right? Well, like, I think that's the point. Yeah. Is like he's... Trying really I, hard. I know it sounds bad, but he's like too nice. He's like trying hard. And I mm. think that is what men... Some men can do. Like they try to play the nice guy. They try to play the nine shining armor and... Is, have... a, is a promising young woman a companion piece to this movie? I <laughs> 100%. <laughs> But I, that's a, that's a different. That, that has to be. A, that'll have to be a different podcast episode. <laughs> true, that's very true. But your thought? I lost my thought. No, but Jeffrey creeps me out. Yeah. So that's that, my thought. But that actually is fair. I'm glad that she makes that point because holy shit, that is the purpose behind that character. Yeah, is that every he man creates is, that unease that every, like every man in this him. movie. Rain, rain. The only range is 
kind of creepy, unnerving to full on dickhead. Like right. that's that that's the only range. There's yeah. no nice guy, right? Like genuine good person, and it's intentional that way. So it's trying to cast them. That so way. with that point, one of the things that's often mentioned about the whole nice guy thing, and I think Jeffrey represents this, and it's either further explored with some of the other characters, like the vicar, which we'll most likely talk about quite a bit in just a moment. But there's this underlying sense that the reason he's being so nice is because it's an ulterior motive. So, Shannon. That's, that, that's how I see it. Yeah, because I'm wondering because if that's he, what you think. He kind of brings up, in a way, like, oh, is your husband going to be joining you? Right, that line, and yeah. And how does he say that again? All yeah, I, he says that line, but again, it's very interesting that you felt that way, because I didn't really feel like... I kind of felt more so that he was trying to, he was just trying to small talk, trying to be that nice. That right there, that's exactly it. Because that's notice the difference in perspectives right yeah. there. That's exactly. For sure, for sure. They're doing. I'm and agreeing. It's like, I, just... I mean, as somebody that I, I work with people mm-hmm. all day long, right. and there are so many men that ask me questions like that, and I know for a fact they're just trying to figure out if there is a man in my life. I, that is what they're doing. Right. I don't know if a hundred percent of men that's oh, what they're doing by asking. Now th- that like that. No, so but, this yes. actually presents a really fair point because the perspective difference from just that one exchange is an example of what this movie is trying to illustrate. Is the for diff- sure? Yeah. it's like such a small thing that you wouldn't exactly, think about, but yeah. it has such. It has subtext. Yes, and that's the the subtext in of itself is its own chasm of. I think it's a, circumstance. I think it's fair to <laughs> in your. Okay, really quick. <laughs> Jeffrey is creepy. It's never, really it's it's creepy. never, it's never explicitly said. He never like is like, oh, you want to go on a date, right? Like, there's, but, it's never. No, well, hold on. Yeah. Let me finish my thought. <laughs> I. It's never explicitly said that he is into her. Although mm. I'm, I'm good with that. Like I, if that is what it is. I'm good with that being the explanation for why he's creepy or part of the explanation for why he's creepy. It may have not been that he but was like what I want to say, He just was trying to get more information. What I want to say is the two perspectives in life to have are, from your perspective, it is creepy if a man asks like, oh, is your husband going to join you? But there, but I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy that says it, that I, I genuinely think that there are men that just are trying to small talk and are not trying yeah, to no. hit on you. I don't think it's fair to say no, that. No, I agree. Small talk without asking about that, though. Like, no, I agree. Also, but I'm, like, just, I'm just saying, like, I don't a... think it's fair. I don't think it's fair to say all men that ask if you have a husband are trying to hit on you. Like, okay. I don't think that men that's listening, fair. Men listening, do not ask if women have husbands because that is so, weird. Sure. To also further, uh, like, because get... it's a mm-hmm. you a woman is going to feel like you are going to end up flirting with her, or in her scenario, she's staying in Airbnb by herself. And a man Where is you're asking about her. In the movie. You're talking yes. the movie context. Yeah, okay. yeah. A man is asking her if her husband's going to join her, and then she says no, and so now he knows that she is alone. Now this and is, and that oh. is like a, a woman never wants to really give that information out. Right, and that, and that, and again, in this context of the movie, that's totally fair. One hundred percent inappropriate question. I get it, but you, you, <laughs> right before that, you made the statement that every time a man asks that in your life, that 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 they have. Terrible, nefarious intentions, that and I am saying I as a man think. that that is not always true. And this is right here, the fact that this type of discussion is <laughs> even happening is one of the main reasons why this and movie I, is so fascinating, because it's able to bring out this difference of perspective from a, totally. like, a visceral and I experience. Wanted, and I actually wanted to say it at the top of this podcast that my favorite movies ever, 
are movies that spark conversation. Oh, hell I don't yeah. care if they're good. I don't care if they're bad. I don't care if they're horrible. I don't care what it is. I just like, I love to talk about movies. And any movie that gets me to have conversations with people or more than likely vice versa, because I can talk about any movie, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm stoked for it. And mm-hmm. Shannon and I, when we first saw this movie in theaters, we talked on a end. A while like, for it. We talked mm-hmm. on for a while. And we both felt the same way. Yeah. But now on the second viewing, we both have picked up on different things. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's like kind of what Alex Garland is going for. Like he wants mm-hmm. people to have different reactions to this movie. Right. And it, it's going to mean something different for everybody else. Like mm-hmm. it is going to mean something different for you guys mm-hmm. versus me as a woman. Right. And I think it can be I nuanced is... between different men and different women. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's like incredible. Like mm-hmm. there's, you he... could talk about this movie forever and I could like sit here and talk to you guys about it forever mm-hmm. and then I could turn around and talk to somebody else about it forever because right. they are going to have a different perspective on it. Right. And that is and, incredible. And with that being said, I think it's also a hyper polarizing movie too. Yeah. Oh, which which we can yeah, talk can about that, when yeah. we get to the end, yeah. but I I <laughs> I think that conversation that you could have with people could be anywhere from what it is at this table today mm-hmm. or it could be Fuck that movie. That movie sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've met people that hate yeah. this movie. I am curious. Okay, so on that point, I want to touch on that for a little bit. Why do they hate this movie? Oh, that, I think, that we needs have to, to save. We have to save. Okay, fine, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll put it that on, is a question, on the show. That is a question, <laughs> that, is a question that, that we should bring up. Yes. I will bring that okay, up at fair, the fair. end. But I kind of want to continue kind of chipping away at this behemoth of a movie. Yeah. In that, uh, so I was talking about behemoth. Jeff... <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh I've never God. heard that word before. Really? Wait, really? Okay. All right. <laughs> it's a funny word. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> what does me mean? Like, it means like large, massive. gargantuan, yeah. okay. massive. All right. It's just a synonym for that. You were talking about Jeffrey, and, and but something interesting sparks from the conversation with Jeffrey yes. is mm-hmm. something that I picked up on, and it's mm-hmm. something that is, as we get to the end of the movie, is true, but I want to kind of point it out now, is that okay. when she's on the phone with her friend Riley after the encounter with Jeffrey, she kind of just says that, oh, he's strange. Like, he's kind of a strange guy. Um, he brought up her husband, James? I think so. Oh, James. Now, James she James. does mention... Oh, so, actually, I think you better yeah, mention Yeah, too. so... Uh, she's talking to Riley. She says, oh, Jeffrey, you know, he, he brought up James. And they talk about that. And she makes, a, she says something that I picked up on mm-hmm. because it is true for the rest of the movie and at the very end. And that she says, and I have it written down, this is going to happen my whole life again and again and again. I just have to get used to it. Now, real quick, on that note, she did explicitly state that when she signed up for the Airbnb, she did list herself as Mrs. Harper. Or Mrs. Webber, her yeah, last, last name, is. name is and that's what instigated him making the question of, "Oh, hey, like, yes. where's yeah. the?" Because when it someone is ha- not on him, right, 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 it's not on him for right. for miss. What'd that word be? I basically, Maybe misunderstanding yeah. the circumstances, which is fair. And she even identifies that herself when she speaks to Wiley, like, "Oh, I listed on here," and Wiley even asks her, "Like, why did you do that?" And she's like, "Uh, force force exactly." Yeah. So, but it is. But I, I wanted to take that as I kind of wrap up my thought on Jeffrey. That that right. is a very important a and very key important nugget where right. she is, says she basically kind of just accepts it. She's like, I just have to get used to it. This is going to keep happening over and over and over again. And she doesn't even say, 
about that specifically. She mm. just says this is going to keep happening over the and over. The circumstances of having to explain it. And yes, the circumstance of having to explain it, but I think it is a bigger that yeah. line is a bigger I don't even line. Think she's right. like I think she is She's talking about that, but the line that is intended line to could be, be about the whole Shannon movie. is picking up on the same thing that I am, which is that I think that that line in it's they make a point of it because it's the last line that she says in that scene in that I think that that line is kind of accentuating the whole movie. Like the burden of what she's experienced is something she's going to have to carry No, for. and I think we could talk about it. I think it's women, it, they just kind of accept that this is what we are going to deal with with men for the rest of our lives. Like, we are just... Not just men, but like uh, the negative experiences with men. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Sorry. The negative experiences. It's like... Mm. I, I picked up, and it seems like you picked up on the same thing, Shannon, that it she talks about, like, I'm just going to have to get used to it. It's going to keep happening again and again and again. And obviously in that moment, she is talking about her, people talking about her husband. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the greater theme of the movie, that line can be analyzed as, and it is, it happens for the rest of the movie, and we'll mm-hmm. get we'll keep going down the line, but it is that... It is going to keep happening again and again and again. Where men are gonna going to, she's gonna have these negative experiences with men, There's and she just has to get to stop it. exactly. Like, she just has to get used to it. Uh, so that's interesting because the basically the analysis you just had with that one line for me it was the fact that it was mainly two layers. The fact that you know the misinterpretation of like her associated with her husband and all that jazz, and also the fact that this burden of the traumatic experience and having to in an extent, relive it. That's something she has to experience for the rest of her life. The additional meta-analysis that you guys have introduced, the idea of, oh, this is also a representation of her and her negative experiences with men throughout, I did not pick up on that. And, and so, like, I, I as normally... That, what the line I don't is think we really picked up on it the first with, time around. With, right. with many movies, right. I think that you can just, like, watch it and take it exactly as it is intended. Mm-hmm. But this movie... To enjoy it, to understand it, to even really watch it, it is making you, asking you, requiring you, whatever, to, like, pick it apart. Pull it apart, right. look at it, and analyze it. And so, yeah. when you kind of have switched that on, you start to kind of hear more of those things. And, I mean, when you write a script, it is intentional. Every line is intentional. Oh, yeah. Especially when you, you write to. a script as good as this. Yeah. Especially when you're, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as good of a writer as this, like yeah. like Oliver said, everything is intentional mm-hmm. in this movie. And it really is. I, I also didn't pick up on the first time as much as I did the second time of how quick fast like how quick paced it is. Mm-hmm. It moves along really quickly. And and I think Taylor is shaking his head, but I challenge you to watch it a second, second time. time. Okay. The only reason I say that there is the point in the movie where it picks up quickly, but there is a slow portion of the film. I recognize that I've only seen this film once, and you guys have seen it twice, so there's already a difference in perspective. And I just want to note this real quick, and we might reiterate this later on in the film or discussion of the film. I'm recognizing that you guys have had more to analyze as a result of seeing it for a second time, and I guess this is one of those films that inherits greater understanding of it by watching it a second time. But again, we'll touch upon this later. When Harper actually goes into the forest and explores the countryside and actually leads to the tunnel scene, I felt, as first time watching, that was a slow, 
portion of the film because I was waiting. I was really? like, "Where's this? Where's this leading to?" Where's, I, like I can like maybe there was like a, two sides of my mind. I did one not side, feel that way. Well, his thing. One side of my mind recognized that this was done on purpose, and I'm understanding why this was done. But another side of my mind recognized that for someone who's not as in depth into movies as I'm starting yeah. to become, I can see how this could be considered a slow paced, dull moment. Where like, where's the next I piece? So that, I can I understand from both aspects how it could be tricky. For, for me, I think if the 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 artistry, I'll go as far as saying that on <laughs> on display wasn't as great as it was, I might feel the same way. Right. And I also think that if the payoff in the end, and again, payoff is relative because I think you could hate the ending of this, but I think if <laughs> I think if the payoff in the end wasn't as good and, and he didn't stick the landing, which, again, that can be argued, right? then maybe I'd look back retroactively on the movie and be like, ah, this was kind Like, of what's the point movie. of that? Yeah. But, but when you say she, like, goes into the woods, are you talking about just the tunnel scene? Like, no. So literally the part where she, okay, she decides... Right before the, the tunnel scene. Right before the tunnel scene. So yeah, she's literally, walking around, she's, like, walking she's the forest, enjoying she's nature. enjoying nature. Now, you could literally, like, for me, then my... More Which is a big theme of the movie, by right, the way. Right, right. Nature in general. Right, exactly. Now, yeah, the more satirical crazy. side of me is like, oh, she just pranced around the woods like, oh, hey, I'm in amongst trees stuff. Yay! But the more analytical, artistic side of me understands that, oh, this is a moment to take a chance to breathe, take a chance to recover, have a chance of rejuvenation, and actually be able to yeah. start her healing and, until the tunnel scene. Yeah, yeah I'm and, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Oliver. I was just like surprised by that because that was... Right. I do not feel that way. Right. No, I, I understand I why people, it's there, but I can also I, understand like, why it can be considered slow. I feel slow. like the tunnel scene when she's making noise is kind of long, but in a good way, and I think no, everybody that's a great else scene. would I think, enjoy yeah. that. So that's why I was like... But the like, walking what? scene... Right. So I think in movies in general, that so that scene is there, the like walking through the forest scene, and she's like looking around, the camera pans to the trees and mm-hmm. pans around. Like that scene is there to build subliminal things for the audience, right, which right. I think can be harder than obvious things. It's not right, like there's right. something in frame that you need to hold on it's to. It's like the it's slow build up so, before like something building. interesting so pops up. It's funny because like, I don't even really like remember that scene as clearly as I think you guys are remembering it. Oh, no, I, I remember it distinctly yeah, because I, I was like, why? So <laughs> I remember it, but also, to be fair, the second time I'm watching it, I know what to expect. I know that this movie is asking to be analyzed and, mm. and broken apart. So right. I'm watching it and I'm, Piecing it together and piecing it apart the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, again, that's <laughs> another prime example of how, like, just with this one film, there's, like, already a difference who's, in just, like, how the scene is exploded. As we chug along here, who who's the next man that she meets? I'm trying to remember. So, Actually, the next it is, man is that it the she naked man? met is the naked, naked man. man. Well, I, I mean, I guess Didn't the, really meet you touched on the tunnel guy not actually being the naked man which right. is very interesting yeah I'm curious so about that too that is yeah. curious then it would be the, then it would be, it would be the, the female man. police officer who's no. nice to her wait she doesn't meet she... the male police officer no but does she meet the vicar first or does no. she oh okay no. so no because no, naked... yeah. he shows up eventually at her house you're right and then yep. um, that's when there's, that's another pretty cool scene too with mm-hmm. camera angles and, and stuff yeah. Yeah. when the naked man shows up at her house uh then the police show up. They arrest him. I think she is the bar scene before the vicar. No, no, no. no, the no next no, man, no. the next. So then, so the, then next the next man is, is the, the, is is the, the vicar. Vickers. So she goes to the church. He is crying. Well, it's no, not, actually, she meets the boy first. No, no, wait, she no, no. It's she, after that. Because so. <laughs> all right, hold on. I'm I'm just gonna real quick provide the breakdown of the scenes so that we can all be on the same page. So she goes to the church, and this is what introduces one of the more symbolic elements of. The film, which is this altar that has on one side the face of the man, which is kind of yeah. like synonymous That's with the primal dude, scene. 
And then on the other side is a um, picture of a woman. In a, a naked very... woman exposing herself. Exactly. She is, yeah, literally. Tits out. All, vagina out. All, she's, all she's so. spread, spread legs. Exactly. Um, spread eagle, as I would say. Presenting herself. Right, right. And this is supposed to represent the more like primal elements of the film and all that jazz. So as she's here, she sees this, and I, oh, that's weird. And as she's in this church, she's basically taking this opportunity to, well, not exactly the opportunity. It kind of just happens to her where she's flashing back onto yeah, the experience with You learn a lot about James, her husband, exactly. and the situation so that what happened in that, the scene. <clears throat> what causes that is the sun goes through the stained glass window, and it's the same shade of sky that it mm. is the night where her, or the oh, evening her husband. Oh, that makes sense. And that's, what, that's what triggers her into... Good having connect. this flashback. Good back and while yeah. she's, she's like screaming, crying, basically, she's like a mess, right? Mm-hmm. While she's having that, you see a man step into the background and then leave. And then she walks outside after this, this moment. She walks outside and there is a child sitting on the stairs outside the church wearing a mask of, like a played up mask of a woman. So that's what I'm saying. She meets the boy first. Yeah, she I guess meets you're, the boy oh, right. it's at the same, same time. You see the vicar before, right. but she Doesn't interacts with yeah. the boy first. Yeah, that, that that's sense. fair, but it, it's it's pretty brief. She, it is. And, and he, but so basically he comes, I, the boy comes and he's wearing this, again, this like played up mask of a woman. And he asks if she wants to play hide and seek. And she says, no, I'm not really in the mood. And he, like, immediately is, like, calls her a bitch. A stupid bitch. And yeah. that's why I want to, like, say she met him first because I can talk about this. Mm-hmm. And this is another theme that men do mm-hmm. where they don't get what they want mm-hmm. and they immediately get defensive, rude, well, you stupid bitch. And mm-hmm. the, well, and the boy is, is he, uh. the boy is a phase of man in that, in that he is, like, the most childish version of mm-hmm. men, which is... It's still, it's still, sense, it's still accurate to adults. Right. But he is a sim. In this movie, he's the symbolism of that like immature, yeah. childish yeah. man perspective. And so he calls her a bitch when she won't play. She's he's wearing this mask, and he's like, he's also played by Rory Keaton, which is so way. weird. Yeah. No, you notice it like, uh, it's yeah. funny because like I, I was talking about like I didn't notice this the first time around that it was mm-hmm. played by one person, mm-hmm. and. I just thought this person had a weird fucking right. thing. So he calls he calls her a stupid bitch and and actually he doesn't yet. He's kind of getting like rude with her mm-hmm. and then the vicar steps in and yeah. basically tells the kid to fuck off without saying fuck off. <laughs> no, I think and he does say fuck off. No, he the kid the, the, the kid says, says fuck off. The vicar says fuck off. Yeah. No, no, no. wait. No, the no. vicar does not say fuck. The vicar does not swear at the kid. No. He tells him to leave and then the kid says like um but he's the kid says like fuck you to the vicar and then says you stupid bitch to Harper. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah that's mind. that's what happened. The vicar is a he is a priest. He does not cuss the kid out. He doesn't. Uh, he said I'm, no, something no, he that didn't. was not priest like. No, so, he didn't. He didn't. So what happens is the kid pops up and tries to ask the hide and seek thing with Harper and she's obviously like no. The vicar pops up and is like hey kid you need, you need to get out of here. And he's like and the kid goes fuck you priest and the priest is like well you shove your oh he doesn't say it but he's like. You too, or something like that. Yeah, he. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it insinuates yeah. that he he doesn't that. he doesn't cuss the kid out, but he right. does say something. But any well, you find out that he's not that great either. Which right, is nice exactly, thing. exactly. Then um, Harper talks to the vicar, and in this conversation, he consoles her, and she opens up about her husband James killing himself, mm-hmm. and he is at first. Jen's making a face because we know where this conversation goes. But at first, 
at first, it seems like he's genuine and he's actually being helpful to her. Like, she is getting this off of her chest, it seems, right? It seems. It seems. And <laughs> she seems like she kind of has a smile and seems like she's maybe opening up about this trauma. And then he makes he makes a statement where he's like, well, you must you have to think about what you did. And she kind of asks, like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you have to think about what you did to drive him to do it. To mm-hmm. drive, like, what you did to drive him to kill himself. And that's at the point where it immediately turns and you realize that he does not view her very, very well whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it also further the prevailing theme that the men have an ulterior motive and there's something uneasy about the men in the village. And he, unlike Jeffrey, his ulterior motive is very clear and later in the movie becomes even more obvious that he is sexually attracted mm-hmm. to her. And Jeffrey never really acts on it, never really says anything that would make you think it other than, I guess, the subliminal things that Shannon mentioned earlier. But the vicar does. In the, I'm in curious the end of the to movie, see what... It was that made you notice that that was his motive. Uh, he put his hand on her. Okay. I was just about to yep. say that. That was the thing okay. that made me go. Like, I, do, yep, I, that was, I just ooh. feel like that was maybe something that most people wouldn't no, I notice. Think, I think that was intentional. Was like, that was no. That it was, was blatantly there. I was like, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that, that's not that's not good. It is there that's for you to notice and be okay. uncomfortable. Yeah. So did you guys notice anything else? Yeah, I, I mean, also after she leaves, he kind of weirdly caresses the bench that she was mm. sitting on right next to him, and he also weirdly. Puts his chapstick on and then does like yeah. a sexual yeah. side. Are you, are you agreeing with her? There's not like a, a no, sexual way. To, he just I, I, it I'm, is it I'm is gonna, uncomfortable the in the context of the podcast. Of the, I'm turning the movie back on. Just so he you did can not watch moan. It. Oh, he sexually goes like. <laughs> oh, okay. So that frustrated sigh. That's so that is okay. That is a sigh. That is not a that, moan. Yes. Okay. I could agree that he did have a reaction, but not a moan. It was more of a sigh. He did not moan. <laughs> I think he had a reaction as well, but it was not a moan. But I. But either way, yes, he is definitely like a menace. He is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Menace he is really really quick note though before we finish on on you know the roundup of his character something interesting is when they're talking mm. there is an overturned cross in the background every time that he's talking yes which is wholly intentional 100 percent, and it's basically just a cross on its side yeah interesting to point out and one of the other things I just want to point out on top of that is I'm curious if the Vicar character is, the, like, the way that he was able to express a lot of the internal conflicts that Harper was dealing with, living back that experience, and how on point he was. I'm wondering if he's, in, and we'll most likely touch upon this later, he's an extension or representation of what she's going through. As in, this is what is happening with her externally. So I'm just going to basically elaborate on this further. A lot of what's happening here is similar to like the horror movie motif. You're going through a nightmarish experience as you're trying to process a traumatic experience that's happened. And so I'm wondering if the Vicar character is an extension of her mind's like subliminal subconscious Mm -hmm. trying to process it. And it's also, in a way, her multiple... like. In our minds, we have multiple perspectives. Like her conscious. Exactly. Well, so okay. the vicar is like an ex- externalized version of that. Like, hey, this was fucked up. But if we could have done something more, would he have killed himself? Well, and that's the thing she's conflicted with. Say, he does. He does. So, 
and it's that's an interesting point. I don't yeah, know if that's I, the I don't intention. Think I, I of don't his think character. that is the intention. I don't but... think that's the intention of his character, but it is an interesting point because he right. does say, um, before he basically accuses her, he does say um, something along the lines of like, um, "You must think of how things could have been different." Right. And she does at that. She does pause, and she's kind of like agrees with or him. Did you give that. him a chance to say sorry? No. Well, that no. That's, that's where that's, he goes too far. That's where he goes too far. Right. He he before oh, that right. he before that he mentions. Know, you you're probably wondering if things could have been different, right. and she does agree with that. She kind of nods, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he goes too far, which is we'll talk about it at the end. Which is which is another kind of thing of another theme of thinking how things could be different and the guilt and just carrying that weight with you the and whole time. I think that's the, one of the biggest things that Harper is struggling with throughout the course of the film is that she recognizes that she was in the right position of making sure that she got out of a very abusive relationship and even though she recognizes she was in the right she also recognizes that she's still cared for him that was her now ex-husband and there's a guilt associated with it where even it's just the way the mind works even though i know i did the right thing is there something i could have done that could prevented this and maybe that's what she's struggling with and that's what lingers in the trauma is that is there something i could have done within my control to make it any different and even herself and everyone else would say, no, you, you did perfectly fine. He was just mentally unstable. It still lingers. Yeah, and that, that is an interesting point because obviously, like we've talked about early on in the episode, like everything that is like said in this movie is like said for a reason. Mm-hmm. And the vicar saying that. Right. Well, and that, and that same theme is mirrored in the very end, which we'll talk about when we get there. So with that, I think we've explored a good chunk of the vicar character and now we can transition to... The next one, we talked about the boy as well, and yeah. I think we've touched upon I think enough of him. the next one is the police officer. Yes. So and it's not a huge role, but uh, it's, there it's, is a part she of... She goes into a bar, and Je- uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey is there, mm-hmm. and there's two other men that are there at, at a table, and, and a bartender, bartender, all again played by Rory Kinnear. Mm-hmm. And she goes there, and she sits down, and... and Jeffrey offers to buy her a drink. She says no, and then he basically buys her a drink anyways. In 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 a joking, nice way, but again, I think it's a moment that's played to mm-hmm. be kind of like not as nice. Right, because he's very not aggressively. He's aggressively nice. What? Right, there we go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's aggressively not nice. Not in the sense where it's like aggressive in a very negative fashion, but aggressive in the sense like you have, like, no, I, I insist yeah. type there, of deal. There yeah. Is, there is says in this scene and I, I can't remember word for word what he said but it made me question so mm. the police officer comes into the bar after the he buys him a drink mm. and he Price starts talking yeah sorry and he starts talking about the man mm-hmm. because they had just arrested him um, and Jeffrey says when the cat's away right I don't know. So I don't know he's, if he's finished the no, sentence. Right, no, right. Because it's a known saying. Basically, what he's saying is play. so. Bas- basically, what he's alluding to is that because he is away from the yeah. house, that is why the naked man showed up. Yeah. Right. Which and, is it's again his it's his Harper world was not having it. Well, again, right. it, it well they were all kind of joking. They were taking yeah. it very lightly, right. and she's basically like, "This guy tried to break in, mm-hmm. and right. none of you are taking this seriously." But right. basically, Jeffrey's right. whole worldview is that. Men greater than women, and that he views yeah. men as more powerful, like the leader, kind of the. Yes, Taylor. Taylor's making. A no, I'm, I'm, I'm letting <laughs> you finish your thought. 
That is, I mean, that is what it, that in everything that he's doing, he's being chivalrous. And again, at the end, I'll just really quickly tap into that. He is the one that wants to go out and like approach, he approach the, the entity, whatever it is. He is the one that wants to be first and do the, all these things in an attempt because he feels like he needs to protect her. And that he is kind of this guiding force or men are kind of these guiding forces that are stronger than their female counterparts is what he kind of exemplifies. Okay, so in the context of Jeffrey's character, he definitely operates in the mentality of being chivalrous. I agree with that. And I think not just for his character being the idea that, you know, men are greater than women in that regards. I don't think his character in the context of his character is trying to do that. But what the narrative of the story is trying to exemplify through his character, eh, uh, it's kind of difficult, at least for me, to think that Jeffrey is just a representation of, oh, men are greater than women. But No, I don't think that he's a representation. I don't no. think well, like, through, is through saying his, that he is better than Or through than his women. character... I think That's he, what's being exemplified. He, he represents so much. He right. in my in in my my interpretation of his character is that he is and he alludes to it in the end. Right. Is that he was raised to believe that men are the like yeah. provide hunter gatherer. That's like what he is. Like he is the provider for women. Like because men there is are a point where he says that his dad was it, he says I have everything that it. I have everything that it takes, or something. Everything to that it takes to be, be no, to be a failed military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he's. As my dad would always say. Right. Yeah. So Which is he an, like tries to be tough. Tough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I he, mean, that's he tries to protect her when she's not asking for protection. Yeah. That's really what it's it comes probably, up. No, she's yeah, I, I don't know. Taylor made a face, but she didn't ask for protection. In fact, when he, it, at the end e- of the I movie, I feel like he thinks it's probably easier to like protect her, so he like. He just does it without even needing to really do it. And at the end of the movie, she's actually asking him not to go. We're kind of stepping forward a bit. But at the end of the movie, she's actually asking him not to go do what he's about to do and step out into the darkness. She does say that. She says, don't, don't, don't. Because this crazy man outside. Don't do it. He does it anyways because he needs to kind of like almost like bravado, you know. Jeffrey's character is very interesting. Like, yeah. Well, he's also the character that gets the most screen time. He, besides, he does, her. and he is the character that, like you said before, doesn't really do or say anything specifically that stands out. But he is there for a reason, and if you really sit there and dissect it, there are a bunch of things that you could probably come up with. And I think that's, I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. I think there are things that he does that can make Oliver feel some type of way. Taylor feels some type of way. Mm-hmm. Myself feels some type of way. Like, I think that is the point of him mm-hmm. and the whole movie in general. And also, I could also, with that point of most of his, the screen time is focused, out, at least if out of the men in the film, is on Jeffrey, that might be also another intention because it's supposed to represent not the average guy, but the the ones that are considered the ones that send off the alarm bells, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. That's the most common example he, of the ones that sent off the, the long is yeah, that the, type you of will person. En- yeah, I feel like, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of women, but I feel like right. most women will encounter not men that are as nefarious or aggressive as the rest of the men in the movie. Most women will more than likely encounter men like Jeffrey who just make them feel uncomfortable I agree. and have, you know, a, a different, like a perspective that is not shared. Type of thing. And Oliver can attest, like, 
I think even the first time we watched this movie, Jeffrey always creeped me out, and I could not put my finger He's on. He's made what to it be was. creepy. I mean, even right. Taylor like, and I can uh, can relate. That. Yeah, yeah. Just, he was the one that like creeped me out the most, and there are definitely men in this movie. We've talked about the vicar that says and does even creepier things. But Jeffrey, for some reason... I think like, I understand why he's the creepiest, because his intentions or the ulterior motive is not entirely clear. Right. That's what makes it unusual. Yeah. If it's not explicit, your mind wanders, and that's what makes it creepier. Well, and right after this bar scene that we were just talking about, mm-hmm. uh, the policeman, with the policeman and the other men in, in the bar, where they kind of shirk off her fears of the naked man, she leaves, which leads to another very... Before you get to that, though... There is an important thing that the police officer says in the bar to mm-hmm. Harper. Because she is upset that they're just shrugging it off. And she's like, no, he is stalking me. I saw him twice. Mm-hmm. And the police officer goes, I don't, even I don't know, know if he, know saw, if you he once. saw you once. Yeah. Like, just makes her feel stupid. So, here's... Um, Which is, I mean, it is kind of an interesting point. It is well, an uh, interesting especially point. Especially from the perspective of law enforcement. Well, yeah. and that, to that point, let me reel back even further in that context of the scene. So, what initiates this is that when the policeman pops in, he notes that, oh, we, uh, we apprehended the guy, but we had to let, t- let him go. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wait, what? Why? And he explains, well, there was no charges placed against him, so we gave him some clothes that was from like the lost and found bin and just let him go. And she's like, he was stalking me. He yeah. knows where I live. What the fuck? And he's like, we couldn't charge him. And There's nothing to charge him for. Exactly. So, as Oliver was just mentioning, in the context of law enforcement, there's their hands are tied. But in the context of a woman that's, like, dealing with mm-hmm. someone that's a threat, he's back on the streets, he knows where I live, what the fuck? Well, and the beautiful thing about this movie is that as outlandish as each of the men are in it, they all can be rationalized. Every right. single one of them, in their own minds, can rationalize their toxic behavior that they are enacting. Right. right. And as, like Jeffrey, he's just trying to be a good guy and he's just kind of failing. This policeman, he's just kind of doing what the law requires of him and he's yeah. kind of failing for this woman. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to look at it through that lens. But basically right after this, what I was going to say is the naked man gets involved basically immediately after. Yeah. Right. Because there's another really good creepy scene where she is walking down an alley by herself and she hears that same screech. Screech that we talked about earlier. That we ta- that's, and she looks kind of behind her. And she starts to go the opposite direction. But then you can see it click in her mind where she's going to like kind of not be afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. And continues going in the same direction. And as she goes, the camera pans. And behind her, the man steps out silhouetted from behind a tree. Mm-hmm. But then she arrives at her house mm-hmm. at night. And there's motion-sensed lights, right? Mm-hmm. And she... Goes inside. I think she calls her friend again. I can't. She quite does remember. because at that was the point. Because throughout the whole movie, her friend Riley, yeah, yep, would kept offering to come down there, and mm-hmm. Harper kept saying no. Like I'm here to heal. I'm here to be on my own, and she didn't want Riley to be there. And she does come back to the house and finally calls Riley and is telling her everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And Harper was like, "Fuck." That I'm coming down there. Not Harper, Riley. Sorry, Riley was like, fuck that, I'm coming down there. And that was the first point where Harper was like, okay, went to get the address. She, the whole time, her phone has weird interference, and you can kind of see faces in the interference. Yeah, that was weird. And then as she goes to get the address, she's reading it off, it keeps cutting out, she keeps trying to call it, and then she texts Riley, 
and she gets a text back that says, I already know where you are. And then says, you stupid bitch. bitch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know that this is. Yeah. Which is, yeah, you don't really know. At this point, it gets really cerebral. The whole movie kind of descends into being. This is where it just gets all fucking. This is where shit gets Yeah. It Mm -hmm. gets into a point of being not explainable, really, like in logical, real terms. Mm -hmm. Um, At this point, she goes out. She sees movement outside. The the motion lights come on. She Mm -hmm. goes outside and she sees the policeman, I think, standing underneath the tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another fucking creepy scene, which is what this movie does so brilliantly, is it's not horror in the typical sense, but it has these really creepy Super scenes. Super suspenseful. Where the lights are on, it's the motion-activated lights, and she goes out there, and the policeman's standing under the tree, and she's like, what are you doing? And he doesn't respond, and she's like, why won't you talk to me? And then the light goes out and clicks back on, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Very, very creepy scene. Mm-hmm. Is And at this point, also, all the... I wanted to point this out. All the apples fall from the tree. I was just going to ask you, is that when the apples, yep. all the mm. apples fall? All, all the apples, okay. and the apples had been talked about a couple times as like, Jer- or Jeffrey made a, a comment, oh, the forbidden fruit. Yeah. Mustn't, mustn't eat that. Forbidden fruit. Yeah. Jokingly. But at this point, all the apples fall from the tree. And I'm having a hard time fully understanding what that is, so I kind of mm-hmm. want to bring that to the table before we go deeper. But basically, they all fall in unison, and then one of the men starts running at her and forces her back into the house. So I was thinking about that a lot last night because that was one of the, and I was just about to ask you about the apples falling from the tree, like what the meaning behind that was because there had to have been some type of so, meaning. And so I was like, is it as simple as the apple doesn't fall far from the so, tree or is it more like... I I have an interpretation, but I, I don't know if it's accurate or true. So I want to see like if, Taylor, if you I had really any thoughts either. The only thing I could think of is, so early in the movie, mm-hmm. um, Jeffrey says, oh, like, forbidden fruit, mustn't eat that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he's like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, eat as much as you want, because if you don't, they fall to the ground, and they go rotten, and they attract all the wasps. And he makes, like, a point oh. about talking about attracting the wasps. Oh. So the, only thing, the only thing that I can hmm. think is that was the symbolism of this is, like, shit hits the fan right now. Oh. Like, this right. is, like... I agree with that piece. They all hit yeah. the they all hit the ground, and now the wasps are attracted. I agree with That's that piece of, of that, like right? the apples falling from the tree was the initiation point of like everything's going to go to shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did not connect the line of like the wasp with. He just made a point. Another. It was it was a point that again it was like the end of the scene where he's like, oh no, if you like if you don't eat them, they'll fall to the ground and they'll get rotten. Right. And then they will just attract all the wasps. Right. Yeah. I treated it more of like the visual cue of like shit's about to hit fan, but I did not connect it with the original line. I just can't. I like feel that. like there's more than just a visual yeah. cue to it. Right. No. Um, so but that could I agree be one interpretation too. of it. I don't really know, but at this point. Uh, it's a really cool first-person perspective chasing her into the house and she yeah. slams the door and shit just hits the fan. It becomes very apparent that whatever this is or whatever the men are, they they are all the same man. All in this. Yeah. Like, they are... Act, it's actively changing between them all mm-hmm. the time. Like, it's the policeman, it's the little boy, it's, like, the random guy in the bar. It's phasing between them. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think at this point as well, she goes, she's backing away from the door and a, a raven, well, you don't know it at first, but this window shatters and a chair comes flying forward mm. and she's in total fear. And at this point, um, the door is knocking and you see that Jeffrey's there at yeah. the door and she lets Jeffrey in and he is kind of like, what's going on? And she's freaking out and he actually believes her. He mm-hmm. walks in and she's yeah. like, there's, the, he's back. Like, there's something going on. I don't know what's happening. 
but they shatter the window and she was like, you don't believe me, do you? And he was like, no, I do believe you. Why would I not believe you? Mm-hmm. Which is probably the nicest moment of the entire movie. Right. And at this one, he walks around the corner to see what broke the window and it's a raven. It's mm-hmm. a raven that had flown through the window, allegedly, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if anything is for real in that this point, <laughs> right. maybe, but right. it had bro- broken through the window and it's kind of twitching its alive and he's like, ah, oh, poor thing. There's not, and it's important, he says, there's nothing that can be done about it. And he snaps its neck and he breaks its neck. Oh, broken wing, nothing can be done about it and breaks its neck and mm. kills it mm-hmm. and then puts it on the counter. It is an important part because it is, again, I feel like it is that kind of view of the position of power. It's like he is, there's, there's, he's the one deciding that there is nothing that can be done about this living bird. Mm. Oh, broken wing, nothing can be done about it and snaps its neck. Mm. And then, later on, the little boy comes in. She hears this this screeching noise, oh, God, yeah. and she goes in the kitchen, which I guess is after Jeffrey goes back out into the yard. This is the scene we were talking about before. Yeah, this is where things get confusing. It really it gets really <laughs> muddy. Jeffrey goes in the yard. She's begging him not to. He does it anyways, which is what we were talking about earlier. And oh, this he, is an important scene. We do need to talk about this. He before. goes out there. And the light clicks and he's gone. Yep. And then the nature man appears and starts walking towards her and looks at her and Is it blows this dandelion <laughs> seeds in her face and she actually inhales one. I don't really know the symbolism so, behind that. So But that is kind of that is a oh. turning point where Things get weird. So because then that is where I well no, I think the boy happened before that, didn't it? Or no, it didn't. You're it right. did not. Right. So he blows the dandelions. She mm. inhales one of them. I don't really know what the symbolism is for that. Mm. But then he comes out to her. She goes inside, closes the door. And this is where he puts his hand through the nail slot. Mm-hmm. And she... Well, he has his hand reaching out to her. And she actually grabs his hand. Mm. Which I don't really understand that point. So, I have an initial thought slash theory about that whole sequence. Okay. So, I'm curious if once he, once she is confronted face-to-face with the naked man, he's no longer at a distance, he's like... At this point, he's no her. longer the naked man. He's definitely the nature man. Right, yeah. right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> turned into the nature man. Right, right. He's got, like, plants growing out of his face. Yeah. And... No, I think it was, like, like he put them there. Oh, I know, there, but they're growing. Like, right, there is right. a scene, late, like, early on where he literally We should not stabs. circle back already. I know, but... I'm just saying he stabs his... Or cuts open his forehead and, like... Puts leaves in it, which is... But he turns into the nature man. But, so, I'm curious, the point where he blows the dandelion seeds in her face. I'm wondering if that was just, she's like frozen. And I'm wondering if that's like an example of when confronted with the very thing that you fear, you you know, the response is flight, fight or flight or Mm -hmm. freeze. That's at the point where she's going to this hypnotic state of like, oh, I'm fucked. And she's, there's a point where it almost seems as if like the way that she's maneuvering, she's like in this hypnotic trance state. And I'm wondering if that's supposed to represent the actual experience of what happens when confronting these really fucked up situations like if a woman is confronting someone of that level of danger this is like the psychological like experience it's like you're out of it i don't know it's i think you're right it's like out of body experience i just feel like there's something more going on though in this moment right there's like another layer to it but i think that's i think there's so many layers to really every scene right so 
here here's like the sequence of the dandelions, which it's it's funny because I think if you're listening, you haven't seen the movie, you're like, fuck the dandelions, I don't care. But it is like a kind of a yeah. critical part of the yeah. whole movie. Yeah. There's so multiple the scenes first where we haven't scene, even touched where the dandelions. So the first scene of the right. movie is a dandelion game blown out. It's blown out. It's before the movie even starts. It's oh, like yeah. the first moment. And then it cuts to a silent, and I'm only covering this really quick because it's interesting. Yeah. Cuts to a silent part of her staring out a window. You realize later on that she's seeing her husband dying. It's completely silent. And then when the soundtrack starts, it makes her jump. Almost like we as a viewer are initiating the movie. But the dandelion is blown out. There's a dandelion when she encounters the the guy in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. There's one that's floating around. Uh, there's a dandelion that goes into the dead body's eye mm-hmm. and kind of creates the nature man, it almost feels like. Yeah. And then the nature man blows all these dandelions at her. And then... And one the actually very, enters into very, her mouth. Yep. And then at the very, very end, as the credits are rolling, there's a, an, a video of a dandelion gang pieced back together. Like in a reverse. So it's the so only... crazy to like see the things that, or listen to the things that you pick up on. So the only thing that mm-hmm. I can think of is that... Because I did not pick up on that. only thing I can think of is like dandelion seeds... Yeah, there's seeds, which I think is part of it too, but it's also like pieces of a whole. So fragmentation. Yeah, and it's almost like the nature man is is the nature man is holding all these loose seeds, all the pieces of her self, right, or fractures or whatever you might want to say. He blows all these pieces; they're floating all over the place. She inhales one, and that is almost what gives her the power to run away. At that moment, she inhales it. She kind of like does this weird back yeah, thing, and then like, runs. I don't feel like that makes sense. It. It does in the context of... Because if you think of, like, dandelion seeds, they mm. are... Explain it. Like, mm. once dandelion seeds are, like, blown out, they just fucking create a I think menace of dandelions. Oh, yeah. It's like, it becomes, like, a weed that just <laughs> pops be, up everywhere. It yeah. could be all the... It could be symbolism for, like, all the men or something, too. Yeah. But the swallowing thing doesn't make sense to me. Th- That's what that, I'm keep trying to like, that figure out. That doesn't make sense to me either, but I just don't know why that would give her. It seems like power. that's kind of when it clicks, but I we, thought, maybe we can think about it too. Well, I thought that as soon as it was ingested, like she ingested the seed, that's that point where she's like, "Oh, I'm fucked," and that's what creates that trance sequence of like out of body experience, for maybe, lack of a better term. Yeah. But basically, like I, d- I don't saying, really Shannon, understand that point. He, right. It's it's just I guess it's an, more so what I'm saying is it's an interesting point that in the beginning. It is blown out right. when she sees her yeah, husband die. That like, is that's a right. changing point. I didn't even point. see that. It's intense. It's like the, literally the first scene of the movie. Which, when you on on paper, that is the most important scene of the yeah. movie. Right. It is how you start really things has, off. Yeah. It really has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. The dead line getting blown out is the very first scene, and it's also the very end scene in the credits mm-hmm. of right. it being pieced back together. Yeah. So it's almost like that was the the Danny line being blown out was almost like the destruction of her life. And right, like getting pieced back together is her having the resolve to carry on with her life. That's Fair. kind of like what right. I was thinking. And I can agree with that in terms of like the overarching symbolism behind the dandelions. I can see that. And I guess the part that is what we're all trying to figure out is how does it incorporate in that particular scene when she's confronted face-to-face with a naked man and what does that initiate and what is that supposed to represent? And that's what's tricky. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is a strange one. But basically, he pursues her to the front door. She closes it like you were saying, Shannon. Uh, and... He sticks his hand through the mail slot, and he's almost like reaching out to her. Right, and she grabs, grabs his hand. 
hand. Doesn't grab it, almost like caresses it. Almost yeah. like right. holds his hand. And the only thing I can think of is, is it's like another symbolic moment of, of her looking for goodness or looking for like, I don't know. It's, it's a moment where she's staring at his hand and his hand at that moment is outstretched upright. Yeah. Right. Not like it's trying Not to Not like in her. an aggressive manner. It's more yeah. like a It's outstretched offering. Out, yeah. upright and she stares at it for a second and then she kind of caresses it with her hand and then it grabs her wrist yeah. after the fact. And I almost took that as her Ooh. trying to like appease to its better nature, like appeasing to male better nature or something. I don't really know. Well, maybe. Maybe. But yeah. at this point, there are so many <laughs> metaphors and symbolism so much symbolism I mean, I that I don't even know that point. you could... And also, one last piece before we actually move forward past the scene. Could the dandelion blowing into her face could be the nature man's attempt to like put her into like a spell, a trance, whatever the case may be? So she was actually like spelled over or charmed or whatever the case I for think that that is far too literal. Yeah. Far too literal? Yeah. I think that that is... I think at this point in the I movie, nothing is literal. I, that's my I, yeah, perspective. Yeah, and that's why it's like... It was hard for me with the whole like apple falling from the tree. Fair. Like, it's... This movie is not. It a is like trance like at this point. It yeah. is like a dream nightmare sequence. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. But going back to like the nature man. Yeah. Because that's what we were going to call him because he, he doesn't have a name. He's <laughs> right. the nature man. Nature man. <laughs> him putting his arm through the mail slot mm-hmm. and her caressing his hand. There's a point where he starts to grab her and then she like kind of comes out of this right of it. she's like yeah, oh yeah she this is a thing. out of it and she stabs him in his forearm mm-hmm. when she stabs him he pulls his arm back through the mail slot and obviously the knife can't fit through the mail slot so it slices his forearm all the way out of his hand it is a, yeah, that's a good way to explain it right yep that's a good way to explain it and it's uh intentional and, yeah, yeah this he's not trying to get it yeah. he intentionally slices his Basically, his entire forearm, forearm through his fingers yeah. in half. So it is pretty basically, yep. if you're looking at a hand, it is sliced straight in half all the way from the forearm. Yeah. And this is intentional. Yeah. And this is kind of where we're going to get into some craziness. Mm-hmm. Because when James, her husband, died, he fell on a fence post mm-hmm. that stabbed through his forearm and Split all the, the way, way out through the hand the same way. Yep. And... Every man you see after this, which is all the men that we talked about earlier on in this podcast, mm-hmm. have that same. They mm-hmm. it it stays through each it single stays. every single yep. one of them, which solidifies that it is all the same being or yeah. person or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at, right after this, uh, she hears motion in the kitchen. She hears like a scraping noise, and she goes in there, and the boy is in there, and he is dragging the claw. The he's dragging the. De- now dead raven back and forth on the table and it's and the he has the woman's mask that he was wearing earlier Which on we the raven bring up the woman's mask we did yeah we did when we, did we mentioned yeah. yeah we did yeah okay so he's Sorry. he's dragging it back and forth <laughs> and it's making this like kind of scraping noise and he begins talking to her but that's another kind of metaphorical interesting point where right it is quite literally he's playing with this object and it has this woman's he's put this woman mask on it and mm-hmm. i think again it goes back to at least this character's perspective on women which is that like they are objects they are there to be objectification is that yeah they're there yeah. to be used she wouldn't play hide and seek with him he called her a bitch like that mm-hmm. type of thing um another interest just another interesting point which it it's just it all comes around mm-hmm. 
So right after this point, the little boy is confronting uh, Harper, and she's like, oh, shit, this kid again. And he reintroduces the... I really don't think that that was her reaction (laughs) at all. I was going to say the same thing, but I didn't want to cut him off. I really don't think that that's her reaction. (laughs) I really don't think that that was her reaction at all, but fair enough. Well, maybe that was my reaction. She's That's like, your reaction to it. Which <laughs> she's like, oh, this little fucker. He's yeah. like, he's over here again. He's like, ah, oh, shit. Fuck so. kids. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he basically reintroduces the whole hide-and-seek piece. And again, Harper's like, ah, oh, fuck. That's well, ac- actually, she had, puts the knife to his chest. And she's putting the knife oh. to his chest. And mm-hmm. he says, you won't do it. Like, you're not going to do it. Right. And... and he proceeds to push towards the knife, and she backs up. She continues backing up, Bef- and, and before that, she says, "She will." I'll, I'll kill you. I'll yeah. kill you, or I'll cut you, or something. Yeah, I'll along cut you. Those I, lines, yeah. and he's like, "You won't do it." Yeah, you won't do it, and he's right. She won't. Mm-hmm. She and won't that's why it. I'm like, Ugh, "What the hell?" But I get it. Still, and there is something I want to talk about after this whole scene happens. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do it, and he was like, "You're." That was your last chance or something along that, those lines. That's going to be the last, yeah, that'll be the last chance And then get. he wants to play hide and seek. Yep. And she closes the door, and he's like, I'm going to count to ten. But she starts counting to ten. Yes. And he's like, you should be hiding. But she doesn't move, and she still counts to ten. Yep. Why? Because she's confronting the threat itself. I think that's the moment where she's like, ah, fuck this. I have to deal with this shit anyway. I'm going to face this. I almost feel like it's like denial. Like, I almost feel like she is like... Closing her eyes and like almost? hoping it goes away, like counting to ten. Well, it I seems th- like she. It's at this point, it's so batshit crazy that it seems like she's losing her sanity. But I also mm-hmm. thought, to an extent, that that was her effort of trying to gain control of the situation and her counting it down. Maybe. Like, why would she allow the kid to count down? Like, her counting Maybe it down, she's like attempt, facing it. It's yeah. her attempt to do something, not do what he's asking, but do exactly something gain own. control and like, okay, fuck it. And doesn't well, she open the door herself? Oh no. Yeah, I think she does open the door. Then, At this point, it's it's uh, it's not the kid anymore, though. The right. next scene is where she talks with the, the vicar. vicar. The and vicar comes then, through, and... Wait, wait, wait. There's another man that pops up that chased after her. Then she goes to the bathroom. Yeah, but I'm saying goes. the next conversation the is, next, is the yeah, vicar. The next main and, interaction is the vicar. And she, is run, she runs upstairs. The vicar comes in. He washes his hands, his split hand, mind you, in the sink. And then he begins to talk to her. And he's just, like, monologuing, basically. Basically, uh, She does ask him, what are you, though? Did you pick up on that? Yeah, she does. She says, what are you? And mm-hmm. you, did you know what he said? He said, I'm a swan. Yep. What does that mean? So, okay, I'm actually going to... Yeah, go for it. So, for my yeah. interpretation of it... Oh, interesting. So, when he says that I'm a swan, it's basically like, like a male swan that's in the midst of trying to find a mate. And they're kind of like primal, feral, like, animal type of deal, and that's when it's, and also, if you understand how swans and that's animals really work, really interesting, really, that's different than what yeah, I Yeah, I'm looking at it. Oliver's face, and that's not I, what he got I bet there's something different, too, but, and there's also a bit of symbolism behind the whole swan thing, too, but I took it from, like, the Animal Kingdom, like, perspective, yeah. and also what that represents, if you know how... Could be swans made for work. life, too, it could be, exactly. like, that. Like, I, I interpret it... I don't know if I think... I, no, 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 right, I interpret it more as, like... I don't know why. Maybe not. But, like, I interpret it more as, like, the Ugly Duckling story. Like Really? This, yeah, I did. Like, what? I, the, Explain. Being, yeah, I will. Being that, like, thinking that you are special or different than everybody around you. Like, the, the men in this story 
this movie think that they are different or they will change her or they are different than the pack, basically. And I, I interpret it more as like, he says it briefly and does not elaborate. He says, I'm a swan. And so I almost feel like that's him saying like, talking like I'm special, I'm gorgeous, I'm like better than, I don't know. It's huh. weird. It's a weird answer and it's yeah. brushed that is over a immediately. One, actually. Um, I mean, I didn't even pick up on that. But right. then he proceeds to uh, literally, like, sexually assault her. Right. Trying oh, to. Yeah. But oh, he, and his but he also, scene where he chokes her with a split hand. That was weird. Going back to that was very injury, weird. the forearm to the hand is split. And he starts to choke her with... The pinky and ring on one side and the middle finger and pointy finger. It's very, very weird. But <laughs> so no, weird. the thing that he does in between those points where he mentions he's the swan and also assaults her is he, I'm thinking he's referring to biblical verses and all that stuff, talking about what I'm assuming temptation and lust and all that stuff. And again, this references back to the aspect of sexual oppression and the allure that she has towards him. And or that he feels, he, yeah, the he allure feels, that she creates within him, right? And he even says that in a way explicitly, yeah. and, and also I think through we the verse as well. Earlier, yeah. when we were talking about the vicar, he kind of like blames her, like this is the right. control, or this is the this is well, this is the first time that he admits that, right? This is where he comes out. Yes, with it. He but didn't you and I earlier. talked about yeah. you. We talked about it earlier. Where mm. This is kind of like how he he blames her for him, basically about to over yeah, her. right? Which is like what the. But, yeah. but this is the movie, again, trying to introduce that this is an aspect of the fucked up dynamic that... The rationalization. Exactly, of, exactly, yeah. exactly. So this is just another means of highlighting a particular and aspect of that. really, after this point, it just continues to get crazier. She runs away. She gets She stabs him, car. actually, yeah. She, yep, she stabs him, and he... Oh, no. Oh, Yeah. He described, which is another weird thing, he describes her um, sexual organs as the tip of a blade. He says, oh, it's the tip of a blade. Wait. And then... Oh, yeah. I remember the tip of a blade. Yep. It's the tip of a blade, which then connects with, as he forces himself on her, she stabs him in the side with with the knife, and he does not appear to feel pain. He instead kind of just like, I would agree at this point, moans, like almost sexually. This one, he lets out like a. I thought he like fell backwards. I thought no, he, did he stumbles too. forwards, and he lets out like an almost sexual moan. That I would challenge you on. Now, when yeah, we watch it now again, we gotta, now we got two scenes. Yeah, like, okay. anyways, like I was saying, <laughs> it gets crazy. It gets, it gets crazy. She gets in her car. She drives. She drives away, and she fucking beat beelines and hits Jeffrey fucking runs Jeffrey <laughs> over and I'm sorry straight up. in the street that's when I would have kept driving what that's what I'm thinking too that's what I'm like why aren't you driving but Just it is one going. of those things where Jeffrey like technically didn't really do anything so it's right, like but, do I keep driving or do I not but I would have kept driving but then there's also the point too is like Chick, do you not recognize that he his arm is split like everyone else well yeah. that, I don't think you, you could really see it in the darkness see, yeah. uh, but fair. it I know we're jumping around, but it is also interesting because as she runs away from the house after this interaction, um, it repeats the same scene like yep. four times. Yes, yep. which is uh, which I is kind of what I was that. what I was mentioning earlier in that thinking of how things could be different. Why? Right. That is the quite literal representation that it each each scene 
she's running down the stairs and leaving, but she does it in different ways. Happens, like, she'll yeah. trip or she'll go a different route. It's like her herself, like, rewinding in her yeah. mind. It's like, her thinking of all the different ways she could handle that exact moment. Exactly. And so it, it is interesting that that expands through this moment. Mm-hmm. But basically, after that, she drives her car. She runs over Jeffrey. Uh, he's in the car, and he takes the car from her and drives away. And fucking comes after her. Tries to tries run her to over run with the car. And then just fucking crashes. And then it crashes in a pretty gnarly real car crash. Oh, that was yeah, pretty no, legit. Like they, that, that was not yeah. CGI. Somebody crashed that car. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. I will stand Fuck that. that I will. <laughs> I will stand that real car crash, like real accidents in movies when they go through the practical effects and stuff, will always look more convincing than oh, yeah. CGI. I have like, flashbacks to when I crashed my Jeep into the cement wall. Woo! Yeah, and you weren't even being chased by it. <laughs> That's how good. That was. They actually crashed that car. So he really? crashes it. Um, he had broken his leg when he got hit, and that leg injury is the same broken leg injury that her husband had as well. So the, yep. the, they're just now mirroring. Two injuries. Yeah, they are just more and more mirroring the injuries that her husband had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He exits the car. Actually, it's not even him. It's the nature nature man, nature guy. Yeah. That exits the car. Uh, she's in complete distress. Her. He walks towards her. And that's kind of where he breaks his ankle that's where you see well, he breaks break it more his... yeah it was yeah. broken with jeffrey but he breaks it more falls on his back and quite literally poops out a baby <laughs> <laughs> so this is where things could get weird for people view oh it gets weird oh yeah i think this is like the weirdest point of the oh, film this is like uh, the it's so funny weird. because this is where i was like fuck Yes, I love this movie. Well, at this point, when we were in the theater, it made sense. We all it clicked for us. I yeah, think. we both understood like kind of what but it was even the to say. second time watching it, and I even looked over at Oliver. I'm like, I was so blown away by how how they filmed this. Mm. Like, I, and I, maybe that's just me being like dumb and does don't understand like how CGI and practical effects work or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it looked. Fucking crazy. Right, right, it right. It was... It was insane. Right. Yeah, it was... In terms of, like, a, like a cinematic sequence, it's impressive. Obviously, but, it's very disturbing, but, but it's it also meant is to be freaky disturbing. Well. And it's... Yeah, it's and it's very graphic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they show everything. It's like... It is... Whoa. It is like... I literally looked at Oliver and I was like, this is what it looks like to have a baby. Yeah, basically. Yeah, That's, except that it's adult men coming out of uh, vaginas that are... A, Appearing on other adult men's bodies, so yeah. but if the you, first the first image you get of it, that is what it looks in like a, to have a baby. In a, in a in a at a glance, yeah, for sure, yeah. I agree, and that's the point, right? Like that's the point. But basically, they start. Um, it's the cycle of they get pregnant, get large, and then they fall over, and they like a baby comes out of them that mm-hmm. is a full grown man that we've met in the movie, right? So it's kind of like cycling through them. You see, like, does the, the first one come out of the ashes? Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, the first one does. Oh, yeah. Um, you see, like, the nature man give birth. Then you see one of the bar people give birth. The policeman, the child gives birth. Yeah. Like the little boy gives birth. Wait, I thought it was like the nature man like comes. No, out I'm not the car. saying in order. I'm, oh. I'm not saying in order. I'm just oh. rattling off because okay. it doesn't gotcha. really matter. It's pretty gruesome though, especially oh, yeah. the one where it comes out of the back of his back like yeah that was yeah the in between it's like blades. it is disturbing watching it because of the whole birth scene i guess but right. then it gets like weird and gory, so she like them actually mm-hmm. coming out yeah so she is yeah. like slowly and as this is happening each scene is like 
each birth is in a different spot of the body. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So she is backing up as this is happening, and they're following her because they're born and they have the same injuries. Yeah. Um, and they're crawling, and then they swell up, and they another one comes out, and they keep doing this, and it's again, it it's. I think the intention of it is to show that, like, kind of these toxic men traits are, like, they are passed from one man to they another. They perpetuate, yeah. Um, kind of hints back to the, like, I'm a failed, my dad says I'm a failed military. Right, right, right. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. That's what it and represents, an interest, yeah. The only kind of interesting note that I wanted to point out in this scene, um, besides the revelation at the end, is that as they're giving birth, um, they all are just staring at her, crawling towards her as they are swelling up and having them come out. But Jeffrey comes out crying and almost pleading with Harper, and it's a it's a moment that's played to feel like you feel bad for him, like mm-hmm. he's just yeah. like a product of the circumstance, like product of his upbringing, yeah. and it's it you know it it's you do feel bad for him in that moment. It's it he's the only one that I think garners that. Yeah, I can agree with that. And that actually kind of leads to one of the overall themes, or bleh thematic elements that I thought the film was trying to represent was that in the advent of experiencing a traumatic experience with a man for, I bet, for not just a good chunk of women, but for a majority of women, this alters their perspective of men in general. And this impacts the way that they not only interact with men, but how they feel around men. Mm -hmm. And this film effectively portrays that in having the same actor portray various men within the village Indicating that even if someone is of different occupations, different backgrounds, whatever the case may be, in the advent of a traumatic experience, a woman's going to have that foundational baseline that these men have these underlying traits that they need to be wary of. Right. And so when I first watched this movie, I kind of left it, left the theater thinking like, oh, it's just betraying men like, oh, these are this is how all men are. This mm-hmm. is the nature of men, blah, blah, blah. The second time watching this, I had a different, like, perspective. I was like, maybe this is Harper's trauma response to men because she obviously went through a very traumatic thing with her husband. Mm. And now she just, like, doesn't look at men the same way. And it makes me think of the song. And it talks about it's not all men, but it's all women. Mm. And it's very true. Like... A woman will have one experience with a man, and it's bad, and they will always have their guard up. And they will always see something that men do and, like, think that it's the worst. And it might not be, mm. but that's just how they're going to feel, and it sucks, but that's kind of what I took away from the movie the second time around. Well, and I do think that part of it as well is that it is trying to hold a magnifying glass up to toxic traits that men have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as well as, I mean... I, I agree. I don't think it's trying to say all men are bad, but I think it's taking these men in this movie and they are like the human personification of toxic traits yeah. that men have. It is highlighting. It, like it is. They the are they are condensed, boiled down, and re-brought up just configurations of common toxic traits that men do. But we haven't touched on the most important reveal of this scene, which is mm-hmm. uh, after she sees Jeffrey... She kind of has resolved, it almost seems. Like, her face goes back to normal. She's not crying or freaking out. She grabs an axe, and she moves into the living room, and it is revealed that the final birth from Jeffrey is her husband, James. Mm-hmm. And 
James walks in fairly normally and sits on the couch and she is staring at him and she looks at him and he's she basically says they have a very brief conversation and she says like what do you want and he says I want your love and right. she just says yeah and then it cuts to daytime and I, I think it's kind of alluded that she kills him with the axe I think based on the next oh, really well so here's here's mm. I think that that whole scene is an illusion for her trauma Right, yeah. her coming to terms yeah. with everything, and mm-hmm. the next morning, based on what the re- the next reveal with her friend, her her being kind of in a good mood, and it's daytime, it's bright, it's sunny, and her not being mortified uh, leads me to believe that maybe she didn't axe him, but she handled whatever that exactly. was. Yeah. And to me, it makes me feel like the literal interpretation would be that she used the axe, but. Perhaps not. But everything is not literal in this movie. Right, right. Well, no, you don't Most see it either. Literal. Right. Um, literal. But basically, it cuts the next morning after that conversation. You know, he says, all I wanted was your love. And she says, yeah. And then it cuts the next morning. Car pulls up. She's sitting outside. She seems in good spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riley comes out, and Riley is pregnant. And then it ends. Right. And that actually leads to one of the other pieces that I think we all want to explore. But real quick, I do agree with what you're saying in that the end point of her, you know, of it transitioning directly to Riley coming up and her being in good spirits, it is an example of her overcoming the trauma. She's finally having that moment of, like, mental peace and clarity. And she's like, okay, I'm kind of better now. She sees her friend, it shows her belly, and then she smiles. Exactly. Which makes me think that after all this, like, she has hope or something. Exactly. And as with... One of the things that we've all recognized when it comes down to films, there's always a level of intention behind everything that's put to screen. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, with the fact that Riley is pregnant, I'm like, oh, there's, a, there's a meaning behind this, because uh, why did they explicitly make this character pregnant? Like, uh, what's going on here? Yeah, there is a meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I was, I've, I've been thinking about so it very the hard only since thing, I watched it again. The only mm-hmm. thing that I can Because I didn't of, pick up on it the first time. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I can think of is that even with this kind of revelation or this traumatic, yeah, I guess, moment that Harper has had in how she now, her worldview, right, of Mm -hmm. men, Mm -hmm. even after that, after she's faced it, she still has hope to bring, like, not her bringing another child, but you know what I mean? Like, she smiles when she sees her friend who is pregnant. It's almost like she is hopeful for the future. Right, it's like a yeah. representation like of, like, rejuvenation, rebirth type Yeah, of or, like, yeah. she is, even though things are the way that they are, there is still some light or good. In the future, being kids or whatever, like, the next generation, right. whatever it might be, like, right. it, it almost seems like the very last scene is cast in a positive light. Right. Despite these men birthing other toxic men, mm-hmm. her friend is pregnant with a child, and she smiles like she is hopeful or happy about the future of that child. Right. Yeah. Well, at least to me, it, it wasn't... I, I see what you're saying. I, but my interpretation wasn't directly at the idea of hopeful and the advent of the child itself, but the pregnant friend coming up is just a representation of, you know, the opportunity to lead the next path in life, a rejuvenation of the self, a rebirth of oneself in the advent of trauma, and the opportunity to move forward, and then continuation of life. Yeah. Not yeah. just in this aspect of birth, but also the aspect of a singular life. 
I I could see that. I mean, I could again. I think this is a movie that could be sliced a million different ways. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I definitely think that Riley walking up pregnant had some type of meaning. Of yeah. Hope and her walking newness. up, and then the reaction from Harper. Yeah. 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 I could see that, and I do. I do really want to pose the question because we've talked about it. And now that we've all talked about the full context of the movie, is do you think that this anyone could enjoy this movie? Do you think that this movie is for everybody? I think we've already touched on it briefly, Mm-mm. but for me, it's an obvious no. I think that yeah, this movie no, is really challenging. Not. Yeah, I can understand that this could be a film that could be not only divisive but for some difficult to digest. But. Uh, it's funny because I recommend this movie to so many people. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just like, I, I just love this movie. But I'm always like, if you're not into like artsy movies that deal with a lot of metaphors and imagery and symbolism, right. then it's not for you. Right. I really wouldn't recommend this movie to many. I, oh, I love I this movie, it but so I. so many people. I, it's, it's, I think it's like a pre challenge. We've two been talking. movies in the last year that I recommend to people and. This is one of them. We've been talking for an hour and a half, and I feel like we've only scratched the surface. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that's us digging, because we want to dig. Right. I don't think a lot of people want to dig. I yeah. think that a lot of people just want to watch a movie and enjoy it and yeah. have answers and go home feeling like they got a full full four-course four meal, and I just don't think that this movie offers that. I think right. this movie challenges you to think about it and chew on it, and I think that many people wouldn't enjoy that. And I think one of the biggest things is that the reason why we're able to dig as much as we can is because we've had the opportunity to experience various films that have provided those type of challenging interpretations and symbolisms and things of that nature. So we know what to expect or what to anticipate or what to consider in order to better understand it. But for those who have not had the opportunity or may not be as versed into them, not saying that you know that interferes with your opportunity to enjoy movies, but... This is a type of film where if you're not used to those symbol symbolic elements in films to the degree that this film showcases, it can be tricky to enjoy. So that's just one of the things that And to I consider. think you also have to be on board with the message that it's trying to yeah. portray. Right. I think that there's plenty of movies You have to be a certain movie watcher. What well, do you I mean? think that you have to have a certain acceptance and worldview too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think that if you don't agree with what this movie is trying to say about kind of like society in general, mm-hmm. I think that you will have a hard uh, time. But that's the thing. Like, <clears throat> I feel like this movie... If, and I think it's still if, enjoyable, if, for the record. If you but, are somebody mm-hmm. that can go into a movie and, like, see things from every perspective and, like, just really try and think about what the movie is trying to say, then you could come out of it any type of person. Yeah, right. I agree. something from it. Like, I can agree with that, too. From it. Yeah. That is if you are open-minded like that. I don't think right. everybody is. I'm, I'm but you thinking, don't have to oh. be open-minded to, like, society and, like, what society says. I don't agree with that. No, I'm not saying, like, I'm more so saying society as far as, like, men, male traits are concerned. So you're saying, like, if you have a particular mindset, it's going to be difficult I'm saying if to, like, you, dive into I'm it? I'm saying that I... I'm saying saying that I could totally see somebody that thinks that I could see somebody that thinks the same way that the men in this movie think mm-hmm. hating this movie because they're like fuck that men aren't even like this and uh, hating fair, this. Fair, so what fair, I'm fair, saying fair. is if you're not open-minded or you're not in that I could see you being But then on the flip of it like what I 
like the second time around, what I got out of this movie, which I am all about picking men apart, but the second time <laughs> around, I got out of it like thinking it was a trauma response to women. Right. Don't you think that those men would be like, oh, yeah, that is what women do? What? What's. Like, not, not being upset by the movie, like portraying like toxic men, but almost like women thinking that all men are toxic. I don't think that Harper in this movie, I think everything kind of happens to her. I don't yeah. think that she really plays an active part in combating the things that happen in this movie. And that's not a dig at her. I think that's intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's, there's not a moment where you as the audience get to really... If you don't think what they're doing is wrong, and the movie does everything in its power to make you think that what they're doing is wrong outside mm-hmm. of... Right. Her being like, fuck you. Right, like, right, right. It does everything sure. in its power. But if you're not on board with seeing that, or you want to sit and rationalize some of their behaviors, which we even have done tonight, been trying to like... Right, to recognize ex- the alternative recognize, perspectives. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying. If like, you want to do coming that... Coming from a different perspective, because we can all sit here and be like, everything that the men did in this movie were like not okay. Right. So I'm thinking of the perspective of somebody watching this movie and being someone like that. And maybe mm. seeing it in the same perspective that I saw in the second part around, like thinking it's a trauma response, mm. they're not going to blame it on the men. They're going to think, oh, this is like how women are. I don't know. Maybe. Right. I don't I know. Don't know. Maybe too, yeah. not. I guess, I guess what yeah. I'm saying is it not, is not, not a, right, but like, it is not a, like, it's not an easy recommend for everyone to me, like the same way it is to yeah. you. I think that it's, I love this movie. I mean, you know, I loved it the same way that you did when it first came out. I think it's fantastic. I think it's, it has important messages. I think mm-hmm. that everything about it's really great, but I can't recommend it to just anybody because it is kind of challenging in the sense of like, it doesn't offer up easy solutions or easy answers or... It's an opportunity to see the world, the experience from a le- different lens. Yeah, it gives you the chance to be put into a particular set of shoes and understand the world in a particular context. And I guess that's kind of where Oliver is coming from, like being open minded. Yeah, and if you're not open minded, able to see. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what my perspective is. Is again, I love it, but I could totally see people for a lot of reasons. One, maybe thinking it's gross. One, maybe yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think the ending scene. Would probably ruin the movie for a lot of people. Yeah, because it's a bit graphic. And and it did. Like me and Oliver saw it in theaters, mm. and we walked out of it hearing so many people talking shit about. I the walked movie. They out. They hated it. Yeah, I walked out of the movie, went to the bathroom, and I'll never forget because it's so funny because we both liked it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I walked we in the bathroom, the and I was washing theaters that day. <laughs> washing my hands, and this guy turned over to me, and he was like, "Shitty fucking movie, huh?" And I remember just, like, looking at him and then just, like, continuing to wash my hands. Like, I'm not about to open this. But the point is, is that, yeah, I just don't think that... I think there's... I guess what I'm saying is, like, I think that there's a lot of reasons why someone could not like the movie. Right. I think that there's also a lot of reasons why you could, but there's almost, your average moviegoer, more reasons to not like it. Right. Because it's not as overt as other movies in terms of, like, the meanings and thematics behind it, and also it is putting a mirror to a difficult topic that, to this day, we are currently trying to tackle, and honestly, in a rather haphazard way. So this film is trying its best to provide a perspective of, okay, 
let's see if we can introduce a way of portraying how this experience could be for women from a visceral standpoint and using the thriller suspense horror genre is an effective means of doing it. And I think it did it brilliantly. In a Mm -hmm. very, keyword, very abstract, cerebral way. Yeah. It's, there are plenty of movies that I think tackle similar subject matter Mm -hmm. in a much more grounded way. This movie is very abstract with how it approaches it. And I think it's better for it, but I just think that, you know, if you're going in and you're like, I want to know what the creature is, or I want to know why this is happening, or I want to know right. what's real and what's not, or really anything, you won't get it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that's the point of the movie. Alex Garland leaves this up to interpretation mm-hmm. for whoever you are. Mm-hmm. He does that. He, he did that in Ex Machina yeah. and Annihilation as well. And when... I appreciate that because I don't want to say this movie is for everybody, but <laughs> I think if you... Like, be open-minded and, like, sit here and dissect the movie. Like, everybody is going to have a different... Takeaway. Takeaway from yeah. it. And I appreciate that in a movie. Yeah. And I, as... I like that we can all sit here and, like, kind of get different things from it. So far, this is the longest podcast that we've ever recorded. And I yeah. think that that is... Be a part two. <laughs> and I, like a follow-up discussion yeah and i think that that is a good thing and that this mm-hmm. movie drives conversation if you're willing to have it yeah. i yes. don't think everybody is willing to have it yeah. not because of necessarily the subject matter but just because it is challenging mm-hmm. we've yeah. been sitting here racking our brains about it all night and yeah. it is tough yeah but i think that if you're willing to do that and sit down and watch it and try and you know piece it apart it's worth it Oh, yeah, for sure. It's definitely one of those films that I appreciate because it enables this type of discussion, because it hits upon a day-to-day experience that happens to a lot of individuals on both sides of the um, circumstance. So, yeah, no, it's absolutely fantastic, and I enjoyed watching it. Well, I think I could sit here and talk about this movie all night, but... (laughs) We can't. (laughs) So, with that being said, I think we should wrap it up and get into ratings and know what all of our things. Yeah, so... (laughs) What would you rate it? Oh, okay. Mm. I... It's... This is a tough one for me because when I first watched it, I gave it a five star. And I think, like, in a lot of ways, it is five stars. But when I think about, Mm. like, movies that I want to continuously revisit i don't know that i want to like continuously revisit this movie right. really i think we this... just sat here for almost two hours i right. think that this and conversation i think points I think... where we're like oh we need to rewatch yeah, it and yeah. see if that I, happens i think that this conversation makes me want to watch it again right mm-hmm. but i don't know that i like would ever just have the desire to just like plug it in on like a saturday or something like oh I, I don't know, like... Oh, hey, I'm making some pancakes. Just watch it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's... You and I are not the same. It's just... It's just... I don't know. I It's it's great, but I I just don't know. I think I'm going to sit at, like, a four and a half. Okay. I think a four and a half... I, I, I'm struggling between four and a half and five. I know I can't go in between the two. Right. So for now, I'll 4. go 4.75. Right. Yeah. 4.75. Uh, for now, I think I'll go four and a half. Although I do want to point out, originally I gave it a five. Yeah. But Fair. I just, I think its challenging nature makes it hard for me to give it a perfect score because it's not a movie that I necessarily want to like watch all the time like I do other 
five-star movies. Fair enough. I mean, I would give it a five. I know. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, you definitely This is one of my favorite movies. I actually picked this movie for the podcast. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I recommend it to everybody. You would... Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I yeah. gave it a five the first time, and I liked it even more the second time. So maybe I give it a six. You can't, you can't give it a six. You cannot give it more yeah, than I, like, the actual you know, rating. It's, it's, yeah, it's tough. I think I like. I'm with you. Like I, that's what makes it so hard. Yeah. It's like I'm with you. Like I, I also think it's a really great movie. I think what it's trying to do, it does really, really well. I think mm-hmm. it's technically marvelous. I just like. The inaccessibility, which is on purpose, mm-hmm. makes it hard for me to give it the perfect score because it is, it is cerebral. Like it is. But tough. who cares what other people think? It's about what you think. No, I know, and I'm saying the challenging nature of it. Is that challenging, like, for you to give it a five star, or is it challenging because you wouldn't recommend it to other people, and it's hard for other people to? Understand. Uh, whenever I rate things, it's usually just based on my own opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, I think I just have to sit at four and a half. It's just I mean, tough. That's fair. Yeah. It's just, it's just a tough, it is a tough one. It's yeah. tough all the way across the board. That's why we've been talking about it for two hours. Right. Like right. It's, and I think it's, it almost feels like at times, I didn't touch on this earlier, but because there isn't clear answers, maybe even Alex Garland didn't really quite know exactly oh, no. what he was trying to do with the message. Absolutely not. I'm not going to open that can of worms, but I think he knew what he was well, doing. Well, in interviews, he even said it was open to interpretation. Fair, yeah, but I, I think, think that was the point. Right. Which I'm agreeing with, and I'm saying that that openness to interpretation means that it is ambiguous, which means that... I think it kind those of, are the best type of, of movies. Lean, I do too. It kind of leans into two ways, but I'm giving it an almost perfect score, so I don't know why <laughs> but you're, you're really not giving it a perfect score. <laughs> All right, Taylor, what would you give it? Okay, so I am giving it a 4.5. There you go. And oh my God. Well, right, no, no, hold on, hold on. Let me explain my reasoning. So. Fucking men. God, oh God damn it! <laughs> oh, okay, I'm kidding. So the reason I'm giving it a 4.5, personally, the way I rate movies, especially in the context of this podcast, is that. 4.5 is the movie's so good. Like, it's hitting all the marks. But a 5 is a masterpiece that transcends everything. That is, like, needs Which, to be put in, like, the archives type of deal. Now, here's the thing. Movie? Now, here's the thing. Men is effective in being able to visually showcase the experience that women have when it comes down to their perspectives of men, especially in the advent of a traumatic experience in dealing with men. This showcases what women have in terms of a perspective or context regarding men in relationships, men in terms of how they approach them, men who are considered strangers, men who respond to when they're dealing with threats of other men. It hits multiple angles. And in this discussion, we even showcase the varying perspectives and interpretations that exist in analyzing these types of situations. So this film is effective in being able to showcase all of these elements. The only thing that makes me hold back if I'm giving it a perfect score, is it does have some elements that makes it inaccessible, and it can definitely be a bit, well, for lack of a better term, it can be a bit out there in terms of the abstractness and the graphical aspect of the film. But it's intended to hit the major points that it's trying to portray. Now, it is one of those films, as we mentioned earlier, it's open to interpretation, but I also agree that it 
was done with intention with mm-hmm. all the points that it's trying to portray. So it's a damn good film. What it's trying to hit, it does effectively. It's technically impressive. The performances yeah. by the actors are well done. And it it's actually a pretty damn kick-ass movie. It's just doesn't hit enough of the marks for it to be transcendent, but it is good at what it's trying to achieve. So what, that's why I give it a 4.5. I'd be interested to I see agree. if there was another woman that was like very into movies to mm-hmm. see what they would rate it as. Right, seen, which is fair, I don't want to open fair. up this can of, talking about can of We don't worms, have to open I've, it up. I'm I've just, seen, I haven't seen I've seen, seen reviews other... from women that are really yeah. negative Maybe about I need this to movie. look really? it up. I'd yeah. just be interested. Yeah. So real quick, um, I just want to touch upon this for a little bit. What have you seen from other women that have reviewed it and given negative reviews? Um, like, what are like a the lot comments of, of sent A out? lot of it, it seemed like a lot of them were regarding like not realistic or the fact. A big one that I saw quite a bit, which I kind of agree with, not is realistic. that is that like the I don't know. You could you'll have to look it up and read on it yourself. But I think that uh, the bigger one that I kind of agree with is that Harper doesn't do anything. She's not like a. She lets things happen to her, which I understand. Oh is, my god! Let me <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. She lets things happen to her, and I don't. I think that's on purpose, right? right? That's on purpose to portray the story and what's happening. But I have seen quite a few reviews online of women saying that like, it's not a strong female protagonist. It's like a a, a female protagonist that's cast in like a weak light of just letting these men have things happen to her. And again, I am not agreeing with that. Shan's getting very frustrated with me. Like, I'm the one that's saying it. I'm saying I've read these. You mm-hmm. just said you agreed with that one. No, I'm saying I can... You, I can uh, he can understand it. I can understand. Yeah. I can agree, like, with where their mind is at. I can understand where they're But that is literally what happens when a woman is dealing with that shit. And I think that's the intention, and that's why... That is... I think yeah. that's the point that Alex Garland is trying to get across. Right. But I'm saying that, like, in trying to... In trying to create a movie that is... In, like maybe empowering women or empowering a woman, the woman on display is not doing anything actively to stop these toxic things that are happening around her. She is just letting them happen. And and that is like that is what the perspective that I've seen other women have on reviews. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I can understand where they're coming from. She just lets it all happen. I mean, even like which is probably realistic. That's probably what would actually happen. It is realistic. Right. But in a, because but in we a wouldn't movie, be having this discussion correct. if it wasn't realistic. But in a movie setting where literally men are pooping out other men, you could have your woman main you could have your woman main character be stronger, perhaps, or be an example, or be whatever you know what I mean. Like do more than just let these things happen to her. She's very passive. But in that's the movie. not realistic. Right. And, and I also, think it's intentional, but I'm just saying. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, again, going along the intentional aspect of it is that this is supposed to be a representation, uh, at least this is how we're understanding it, of her trauma, of her processing the trauma and having to confront it, reconcile it, and everything that's necessary in order to deal with it. And a lot of this is almost like a passive experience. Like, if this was another way of viewing this, if a lot of this was happening internally in her mind, this is like her processing her traumatic experience, a lot of this would kind of be like you're just passively standing by in the midst of a nightmare. So you're trying to contend with this, but at the same time, you don't even know what the fuck's going on. So it's very I like... Think, ah. I think that probably where a lot of it is coming from is wanting the cathartic moment of oh, her yeah. finally being like... Being able to... Stab yeah. the fucking kid or stab yeah. the priest or... Stand up for herself, or knock his hand off her hip, or whatever. Right, you know, like right, I think right. that that is what 
a lot of people were wanting because he claims to be a strong character but isn't and isn't a movie titled Men. You want the woman to stand up and kind of unleash hell upon these men. Right. I think that's where it's coming from. Shan's making all these faces, but I think that's where that comes from. And again, that is kind of, you can't say that they're wrong because the movie, the whole point of the movie is to be ambiguous and per the director's words himself, it is supposed to be open to interpretation. But we are almost at the two-hour mark, so... And at this point, we got to close out, because uh, we're out of wine, and uh, fuck. We I... drank the entire bottle of wine, <laughs> and a half. Oliver's telling me I can't have any more. Yeah, I'm cutting her off. God damn. <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling a bit tipsy myself, so uh, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Well, but, what was it? I mean, I guess, what's the drink counter then? Just a bottle and a half of wine? Between the, I, I mean, between us, yes. But in terms of, like, glasses, I've at least had, like, maybe, like, one and a half, two. I don't know what I was drinking before we started recording this. <laughs> so Shannon yours is like out. <laughs> Shannon had... is lost in the fancy sauce. Yeah. <laughs> how about you? Like, uh, how many? Oh, two, three. That, wh- what? How, yeah. did, how did you beat wow. me in wine? How is that possible? That's why you're so annoyed with me. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, Hoss. Oh, I need to up my game. Hold on a sec. Now, um. You're my fiance. I'm allowed to be annoyed at you. Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, right. this has been fun. This has been real. Yes. So with that, this I'm going to is... go ahead and say <laughs> this has been Cinema Hangover. I'm Taylor. I'm Shannon. And I'm Oliver. All right. You guys have a good one and peace. Cheers. See you. Hey, everyone. If you want more Cinema Hangover, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We also post episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. If you have any movie suggestions or questions, drop a comment on any of our social medias. Also, if you have any drink recommendations, be sure to let us know. And again, thank you for listening.